Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. This is our 166th show, Stacey. Good morning, John. Wow, 166. We've been doing pretty good. Almost getting to that 200 part point. Um, we'll get there pretty soon. A few more runs to go. So you're you're back from the Greenhouse Conference in New York City. I am. I am. I'm back in North Carolina. The uh, flowers are blooming and the sun is out, so I, I can't complain because it was snowing in New York when I was there. <laughs> um, but I did. I spent a couple of days with the Greenhouse team at their open event, um, as well as an analyst session that I got, got to sit in a, a couple hours of because of the snowstorm. I was running a little bit late. Um, but, yeah, so it's been a good event, and I got a chance to, to meet a team that I haven't had a chance to meet um, their leadership team. Um, previously, I've been mostly speaking with the sort of the, the demo team. Uh, so this was a good opportunity to meet with them. Um, uh, and uh, next week, we'll we'll be heading out. Some of us will be going to Chicago, and, and you'll be going a little bit south from where you're at, right? Uh, yep. The Workday, Workday, Workday has, right? This, has this great technical conference that um, um, is, is held in a lovely little spot. Sausalito, California, just across from San Francisco. So, so we're we're halfway maybe through, and not quite through our, through our travel season. Um, uh, and there's a lot of news going on this week. My goodness, um, it is not stopped while we've been on the road. Um, we've got um, updates from Move Guide, who have changed their branding and name. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Textio has some. Um, launching some new capabilities, uh, one of your favorites and a and, and, and group that I have uh, had an opportunity to sort of keep following. Um, we also have this week that Recruit Holdings, which is the group that, that um, owns Indeed, is acquiring another uh, job site, uh, the Canadian-based Workopolis. Um, we also have another wellness organization getting funding, WellTalk, announcing a $75 million funding um, program, and then um, if we have time this week, there's some fun stuff about McAfee finding that gamers are the strong candidates for cybersecurity jobs. My son would love that. So, <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. So where do you want to start? Oh, you know what? I was going to ask you, the, the other thing that's, that's, um, that wasn't on your list is you've been um, – hustling around the country doing lunch and learn events and talking about um, sort of the the future of HR. Um, yeah. T- tell me a little bit about that. What's going on? Yeah. So I, um, so, so Cornerstone's doing um, sort of mini converges. Um, they're, they're little uh, sort of lunch and learn breakfast and learn events that have been happening. Um, did the first one in Nashville last week, right after we, we got done talking. Um, for our event, uh, we'll do another one in Chicago next week, uh, and then we'll do two more, one in New York and Toronto uh, in the fall. And, yeah, it's been really exciting. You know, I, I don't get on the road as much as I'd like to sometimes to actually do presentations, and these have been fun to sort of work with because we're talking about more than just the research data. We're talking about what's happening in HR from a strategy perspective and where the organizations are heading. Um, what, you know, the, the big theme of the presentation I've been doing is the, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? theme for HR, because I think a lot of organizations feel like HR, you know, that the conversation is, you know, when do we get to the table? But I think most of them are already at the table at this point. But trying to figure out what type of HR function you want to be is is now the conversation that I'm hearing, particularly from those organizations who have already sort of gone through 
sort of the basics of putting together their role as a personnel function and making sure they have the basics of their sort of onboarding and hiring and and um, new employee relations issues sort of ironed out. So all the basics done. Then the next question is, what type of organization am I going to be? Am I going to be an organization that's a a um, a facilitates the work that's going on in my organization? Am I going to be a strategic organization? Am I going to be a data-driven organization focusing on getting data to the organization? Am I going to be focusing on talent to my organization? The conversation that I've had with a lot of organizations in our data supports at their Cedar is that um, you can't do everything. I think this, this is a good mantra to live by as well, that if you try and be everything to everybody, your HR function basically doesn't succeed. Um, so the better option we have found is that if you pick a focus um, and uh, take that focus and make it sort of the center of how you do HR and the approach you take to HR, it turns out much better, surprisingly. So, so what are the different kinds? It's an interesting idea. You, th- you think there are different kinds of HR departments. What are some of the different kinds? Well, the way we've sort of defined them in the CR Cedar uh, research and the, the ones that we've been able to sort of, I guess, figure out different behaviors that are happening is um, not surprisingly a data-driven type of function, an organization that is focused on how they use data and where they use data. Um, there seems to be a talent-driven type of function, which is an organization that's heavily dependent on sort of the talent in the organization, making sure that talent is front and center. Um, we obviously see a lot of organizations focus on the financials. And so for us, there's also a financially driven organization or a performance driven organization. So their numbers and performance are the focus for them. Um, and then recently, we've identified another group called socially responsible. And those are HR functions that focus on social elements um, within the organization. And that becomes sort of the center of their. Uh, HR approach. Not to say that that uh, there aren't more out there, but those are, those are the ones we've identified. So, 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 data and socially responsible. Are there others? Yes, there. Well, I'm I'm assuming there are a lot of other ways to do um, HR. What we're finding is that by picking a focus, those organizations are able to get better. Um, better outcomes because everyone understands how the HR function communicates, what tools they're using to make a change in the organization, um, and what approach they're taking. I know it sounds, can't we be both data-driven and talent-driven at the same time, or can't we be social responsible and data-driven? And, you know, surprisingly enough on the data, people don't, organizations don't fall into more than one category very often. and what we find is that organizations that try and say, oh, we're socially responsible, we do data, we do talent, they do all the things, and they don't end up being at the top in most of the business outcomes. Uh, it really is a focus that seems to make a difference. I know that sounds that's, a little bit like you're narrowing your, your focus, but it is. Well, that's that's. I assume that there are um, sort of indicators about why one would be preferable to the other in a given circumstance. So if you're a, a more mature organization with a lot of data, then, then being data-driven as a primary function allows you to optimize the work rather than you know, having the sort of West Coast hunger for talent um, shapes that. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you are trying to fuel growth, um, you'd guess that... Uh, 
you need to be as talent-oriented as possible because you're trying to attract people to come and stay. Um, yeah, where if, if, if you are sort of, you've reached big and you're growing incrementally now, then, then, then you've got a kind of a different problem set. So, so could this be related to, um, I hate to say this, but could it be related to maturity? Well, we, we we do take a look at that. So, so maturity being, I guess, depending on how you look at maturity as, you know, sort of the how big an organization is, if you're looking at maturity by just, you know, how quickly it's grown and, and how long it's been around, if you're looking at maturity based off the processes and tools they've put in place. Um, interestingly enough, we find that organizations of every size and to some extent every sort of technology implementation approach, right, or technology sort of usage approach sort of falls into these various categories. Um, what I find seems to be a pretty big indicator, and I think you sort of touched on it, is the type of business model you have and the way your business leaders make decisions in your organization. So one of the things that we have sort of defining this is the actual behaviors that take place in the organization. And then I've got sort of a, a framework, John, I know you hate those, <laughs> but a framework that sort of roughs out, like these are the things you need to look at, such as the culture of the organization, the business model of the organization, the um, leadership model in the organization, those things that um, are important in deciding what, you know, your business model will value and how you can make movement in the organization. And that sort of informs the type of organization that you might want to focus on. That's, so, so if you're an organization where data is important and your organization has invested heavily in data and that's how your business leaders communicate, it would make more sense that you are a data-driven HR function. Um, some cases, it's hard to tell. We, we know we've talked to a lot of organizations who are trying to figure this out, um, and it takes a little bit of um, effort. But if they can figure out the right model, uh, it seems to work very well for their businesses. So I think frameworks are very useful. Uh, it's funny that you, it's funny that you characterize me as not liking frameworks. They're, they're, they're structures, structures are really, really good thing. Um, it's the it's the urgency about putting oneself in a category so that the rules are clear that that, that drives me crazy. Right, having oh, a framework okay. so that you yeah. can understand what's going on is great. The desire to label oneself so that you can apply somebody else's formulas to your development, that's that doesn't really <laughs> strike me as a smart way to think. That's, a, that's probably a good way of putting it. And that's what we're trying not to do here. We're not trying to sort of put a best practices model on this. We're trying to sort of figure out organizations who do this or who have organizations that look like this. This generally tends to be the environments that seem to work here. But it's not... Um, not to say that other environments won't work there. We're just saying that these ones are showing up as, as being positive in that environment. Um, so not that this is the only way to do it, but this is one of many ways to do it. It's a better way to put it, right? Got it. Well, well it sounds like um, you're having some interesting fun on the road. That's great. Yeah. yeah I, it's great to get down and connect with the audiences again um, and, uh, do some more face-to-face -face conversations and small group conversations. Um, that was the nice thing about going to greenhouse. It was a, it was an opportunity to get, um, some conversation with an audience that I don't usually talk to as much. I, I, I know, um, recruiting is sort of a subset of the bigger HR technology space. And we do a lot of conversations about recruiting and talent acquisition, but usually my counterpart, Aaron Spencer goes to a lot of the events that are recruiting specific software. 
Um, and so this time I got an opportunity to go to Greenhouse uh, closer to where I was at, and we had other events that were going on. Um, and I wanted to sort of see about the organization that had received so many write-ins, because we don't usually get enough write-ins at any one point in time to get them added to the Sierra Cedar list, but Greenhouse did, which meant that they were getting enough attention and people sort of uh, uh, feeling that they wanted to make sure that they were known that that was their recruiting application. Um, so I wanted to go see what they were doing there. And there was no doubt the culture is a big part of what they're doing. The, a thousand people were at their event in New York, I think, which is where they're headquartered. Um, they were launching really two different things, which I thought were interesting. Um, one is they were launching a um, what they called a diversity and inclusion module, um, which basically, or greenhouse inclusion was the actual title, um, which was a partnership with a company that does diversity and inclusion consulting called Paradigm and Assessment. But what they had created was a sort of capability within their tool set to allow people to blind copy, um, to basically go through their candidate um, resumes and uh, opt at which things you might want to blind so that you didn't see whether maybe that might be names or maybe that might be locations or where they went to school at, information that shouldn't be relevant to them getting into the interviews but might cause you to have some unintentional biases that you were making decisions based off of. They also have some new pipeline reporting in this new module that allows people to have a better sort of mix of initial candidates. So diversity inclusion is right at the top of the funnel for those who understand recruiting as a big funnel. Um, so those are two big things that they were announcing. And then they also announced um, a, a relaunch sort of of their onboarding tool. And I got a chance to walk through their new onboarding tool, which is nice to see them expanding their modules. So it was very good to see the event and definitely their customers. Uh, a lot of big names like SoulCycle and HubSpot and Warby Parker, you know, the, the, the brand names right now that, that you know, have some oomph to them um, were there and they really love their products. They're talking very, very highly of them. That was a good event. So do you think, do you think that, that stuff where you um, um, prevent people from knowing things for certain amounts of time in the process, do you think that that actually um, has an impact on diversity and inclusion? You know, that's well, a, let, me, let, me, let me ask the question a little bit more. <laughs> this, this is... This is the, the old-fashioned view that if you don't know about it, it doesn't count, right? And that's how, until Me Too, that's how um, employment law firms recommended that you handle anything that might involve discrimination. If you don't know mm -hmm. about it, that, then it didn't happen, right? And so plausible deniability is the essence of the old school of dealing with sexual harassment. It's the old school of dealing with um, um, diversity and inclusion. And the problem is that at some point you have to find these things out, right? And, and so, so all that you do when you prevent people from knowing the truth about what they're dealing with is you push down the road the impact of bias that's in the organization rather than eliminating it or eradicating it, which is what they claim. But anyhow, that's, that, that's my view. Did, did you think about that when you were there? Well, we, we had some interesting conversations about that and, and there's no doubt that for, for Greenhouse, this is a, a start of a journey and, you know, they were very 
I think one of the things that was nice to see when, when, you know, we were talking about this in the analyst event is they were very open with saying, look, we're on this journey with you. We're looking at what's working and what's not working. And there might be some changes that we go along the way. Right. So I think that, you know, it was refreshing to see a, a software company that, that wasn't saying we know it all. Um, what they were saying is that they wanted to give their clients options and how they could leverage different tools to address their what might be considered unconscious bias, unconscious biases inside of their recruiting process. Now, I I understand what you're saying that eventually, you know, sort of everybody sort of has to come in for the face-to-face interview, and then all the unconscious biases sort of to be you know brought up to the top again, anyways. But I do think there is a numbers game here. Uh, recruiting is always a numbers game. You know, that was one of the things that I thought was sort of interesting when I was talking to the recruiting team is that, you know, I used to do recruiting, I guess you would call it training, 15 years ago for Management Recruiters International. We would build their sort of franchise training programs. And back then, it was always numbers, right? And it still seems to be a conversation all about numbers. You pick up the phone 36 times, you're going to get one candidate for, you know, on average for every 36 phone calls you pick up back then. And now it's, you have 100 people in your database, you're going to get, you know, one person who will answer that for the database, you know, outreach effort. Um, But I think that the conversation is, is that right now what's happening on the bias side of things is that a lot of the people and this was a really interesting conversation I had with the um, uh, Richard uh, Cho. He was at my dinner table one night, and he is the director of recruiting, and they call it science and technology for the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative um, out there in Palo Alto. And, you know, his comment is right now it's a matter of just getting enough diverse candidates into the pipeline at all. You know, right now a lot of them don't apply or you don't get them into the pipeline because they get, you know, basically, you know, pulled out for one reason or another. And so for, I think, some organizations, just getting them to that sort of last end of the funnel is a first step in the process, getting another, you know, 10 or 20 or 30% of diverse candidates. So I think it's a move in maybe the right direction, but I understand what you're saying, that it's maybe an older way of looking at it, but I think you got to start somewhere, right? Well, I don't know. Would that work with sexual harassment? Um, ignore it. <laughs> I, I I think times have changed. I think that I think that the diversity and inclusion are not um, necessarily well addressed that way. Just just like other aspects of rethinking the workplace are not well addressed that way. The idea that you ignore it until it pops up um, seems pretty old fashioned to me. Well, and, and, you know, might be a place here where we agree to disagree on this one. I think that, you know, with the Me Too movement and the sexual harassment, I don't think it's a matter of ignoring it. I think it's a matter of making sure that there is um, a way to get more feedback and more comments into the process, right, um, is better than basically creating an environment where everybody feels, un- you know, like they can't. Right. Um, and I and then then probably not a saying that the right way. But I think you have to be careful where you're sort of like, well, we should all just be, you know, open and we should all just be able to talk about these things and, and not have unconscious biases. But that's, I think, the issue is that people do have unco- they don't know they have biases. They are unconscious. Yes, we should be training about them. Yes, we should be talking about them. Yes, we should be fixing that situation. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that they are. Is they're unconscious. They don't know they have them. And you need to address that, too. Right. Well, but, but you know, we should, we should, we should not spend a lot of time here. But but the idea <laughs> that the idea that you 
prevent people from making decisions. Um, that's that's really good if you're if you are managing to avoid litigation. If you're managing to build a strong, smart workforce, it's not clear to me that putting blinders on your people is is an intelligent way to do that. Um, so and. Uh- I'm sure the, uh, the the team that they're consulting with, the Paradigm audience uh, group, which was there, which is, is part of that, what Greenhouse is doing. And I'm not saying, I think this is anybody. I think everybody who's doing this kind of work, diversity and inclusion, it, it should be with the idea that we're, we're all learning right, as we go through the process. So the conversation is as important as the tools and the technologies and the, and the, and the practices we're doing right now. So... My sense is that, that they are trying to create a, a connection between what they're doing with an organization that is focused on the different ways that um, people can address um, these conversations. Um, how we do it, I think you're right. There's a lot of ways we have to probably talk about it. So. Yeah, cool. So what, what else is in the pile? Sorry, sorry to drag you down <laughs> that particular rabbit hole. <laughs> Well, it's obviously a thing you've been thinking a lot about. And there was no doubt that the whole event at Greenhouse, every sort of, I mean, every event that I went to had some sort of conversation about inclusion, diversity, um, dealing with the Me Too um, sort of movement in the work environment from an HR and recruiting perspective. Those were top and center, you know, as as far as topics everywhere we went. Um, Well, there's no good transition to this <laughs> from where we're talking about, which is a really important uh, issue. But we did have move guides, and I think it's important for those who work with move guides to know this. They just made an announcement that they are rebranding themselves to Top. I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly. You might know Topias or Topias. I'm not sure. T O P I A S um, is their new name. They, for those who have sort of listened to us before, you might know that Move Guides is sort of a global mobility management technology. They're one of the the few organizations um, that have basically taken what is very much a service-based industry and sort of um, put it into a, a SaaS-based technology. Um, and the focus, they said Topia, which means place in Greek, conveys the company's mission to partner with companies to remove barriers between people and places, <laughs> enabling business agility by efficiently moving employees to the places they need to be around the world. Now, I really love uh, Bryn, who's the, the CEO there, her vision of what Move Guides is and could be down the road and her approach to facilitating connections. I don't know if they needed a rebranding, but obviously it seems like they felt they did. I, did you get this announcement, you know, John? Is this something that surprised you when you saw the rebranding? Um, I think I think that the the name of the calling the company Move Guides did not adequately convey what the company did. So it's a good idea for them to rebrand. It's a good idea for them to rebrand. So that's going on right now. Um, We also, I guess, along this lines that we were just talking about, though, is that um, Textio is also expanding their AI to help humans craft better recruiting messages. So now you've worked with Textio quite a bit in the past. They're an organization that, uh, does a lot on this diversity and inclusion uh, conversation, particularly with job descriptions. Correct. Well, and so Textio is Textio is kind of the alternative to the idea that what you do is prevent um, uh, bias, because there there are things that are illegal 
there are things that are definitely illegal, but there's also a lot of bias that you want to manage. And so, so the Textio approach is to um, help you manage uh, the impact of bias on your recruiting processes. And they do that with augmented reading um, and uh, augmented writing, excuse me. Augmented writing means that you can get your job description or your email back to Canada score to make sure that the tone and content of the email um, are not um, biased in direction or another by examining and scoring the things. So it's gamified. You, you get a block of text, um, and as you tweak it, you get a better and better score that drives you towards whatever your KPIs are in that area. And with so this new cool capability, yeah, and with this new capability, it sounds like they're now adding this feature function to the candidate letter. Am I reading that correctly, or to the outreach letter? I think that's well? right. I think that's right. The 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 um, the outbound letter and correspondence back and forth. You know, a lot of um, a lot of particularly in this employment market, a lot of a lot of recruiting is very proactive, and it's outreach to people who may not. Um, um, have applied, and so the correspondence process has to be more delicate and more persuasive. And so this is this is designed to help you um, do better in that process by by weeding out things that don't work and adding in things that do to your correspondence. Well, I think this will be interesting to see. I mean, I will say that when I do talk to anybody about their their recruiting tools right now, you know, there's a lot of different options for applicant tracking systems, for social scraping tools. But whenever you talk to them about their sort of tools for sort of this area, Textio seems to be the one and only that seems to bubble to the top. So um, everybody seems to know about them and understand what they do. So it seems to have got a niche that works for them. So. Oh, exciting. Yeah. And then um, we also on the recruiting side, I don't know that this is huge news, but I guess it's just we're seeing more and more consolidation is that um, uh, the recruiting co holdings company, which is the group that owns Indeed, is acquiring the Canadian job site workopolis.com. Um, they're just, you know, basically more and more sort of building up sort of the, the overall sort of candidate search areas. Um, they're basically saying it's a trusted brand, a leading company. You know, in, in the Canadian job site area, um, and uh, they're just going to add to their um, publishing area, basically, with this, uh, their publishing network. Does that, you know, or is this something we, we're sure should be paying attention to? Does it matter who owns some of these, or are we just going to see more of the, the same technology used across all of them then? Is that the, the name of the game here? Well, so, so you know, recruit, the, the people who don't need is, is a political party and and um, wants to be maybe the world's largest staffing company. Um, and so they compete directly with people like Ronstadt around the world. Um, and, and, you know, Ronstadt bought Monster, um, uh, Recruit bought Indeed. And so, so there's, a, there's a sort of a, an advertising and publishing component to staffing businesses that wasn't there 10 years ago. And and so this is another indication of expansion. This means that Recruit is um, sharpening its focus on the Canadian market. 
it's an interest it's an interesting move and it is that um um more of the job oriented business is in the hands of staffing firms, which means that companies that want to use job boards to find workers, which is a really important thing, need to disclose their hiring plans to staffing companies. Right. So it's a it's yeah. kind of a it's kind of a lead generation for staffing companies. And I think what's what's you know, we're we're definitely hearing the more and more international because I think that's always been a challenge to some extent has been sort of regional specific job boards right where do they fit who fits with them um, sort of a funny thing was the greenhouse that one of the um, directors in, in the recruiting side for Indeed was there giving a presentation and she started out by asking so who in the room hasn't used Indeed versus who in the room has used Indeed and like nobody raised their hand so pretty much everybody in the room had used Indeed before so obviously. It's a space that everybody knows, right? So, right. <laughs> so we're at the well, last minute, but we you had that great story about wellness. We're going to have to do you want to try and fit it let's in? Do that, uh, let's do that talk? next week. We'll yeah. talk about well talk okay. next week, and I'll, t- I'll tell you my revelation in the grocery store line about wellness. <laughs> the conversion to wellness. <laughs> cliffhanger for next week. Yep. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Well, thanks, John. It's been a great week as usual. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking the time to do this, Stacey. It's always a fantastic conversation. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. We will talk to you next week. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Subser. Bye-bye now. Bye.